Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Cruise Control. Ask a car guy anything. Our surroundings are a little bit different today, and that's because today's topic, knowing what it takes to buy comfortably as a female in the automotive world today. Kevin, what do you think about our surroundings? kind of cool, huh? Yeah, I'm surrounded by a dog. His name is Oliver, and I'm sitting at a kitchen table. It's just kind of materialized the way that it did. What more appropriate, though? This is appropriate. I mean, this is what mom and daughters are all about and your sister being in a kitchen. So let's talk about what it takes to buy comfortably as a female. You know, in the automotive world today, you have so many different things that are involved when you are going to buy a car, whether you're going to go shop for a car, whether you're going to lease a car, or whether you're trading a car in. For me, personally, I have been hearing a lot of feedback lately, and this feedback led to this podcast, and it's really touched my heart. I have listened to over a dozen females in the last six months on having bad buying experiences as a female at local dealerships. Now, during this podcast, I'm not going to mention any car manufacturers, and we're not going to mention any dealerships, because this has not only been in this town, but it's been in other towns. So, we want to cover a couple of different topics. We want to set the groundwork here for what it takes to be a female and go to a dealership comfortably, and what it takes to do that and what you think you need to do versus what you really should do. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, first things first, I just want to make some announcements. Uh, uh, JP's Buick GMC Expo uh, coming up at the end of the July. We're still kind of sorting out a location in terms of where it's going to be and when and what, sp- what day specifically in the where and all that good stuff. So we're still sorting that out, but just know that's coming. So if you've bought... Anything GM remotely in the last six months or so, uh, we would love to have you come out. And if you have any questions, concerns, comments, we'd love to address those for you and take care of you before, you know, you, I I guess, break something or... Maybe hit the road for a summer trip. Hit the road for a summer trip. Want to learn how to work the navigation? Mm -hmm. I'll help you with navigation. And I'll tell you what, even if you haven't bought the car from us, from my dealership where I work at, you're more than welcome to come out. This is open to everybody. If you're driving by Palace Coffee House in Canyon, Texas on the square, and you happen to see the expo going on, and you want to stop, go ahead and stop. I'll be more than happy to answer all your questions. And if I can't give you the answer, I have experts that uh, are on standby. It's kind of like my lifeline. I can call a couple of guys up, and I can get an answer within 24 hours. Okay? All right, and the second thing has to do with the podcast itself. We have gone over 100 total listens to all, every single episode, whether it be JP's Fun Fact for the Day or actual episodes. We just want to thank you guys for listening to us as we keep progressing further toward our goals of, you know, 1,000 listens, 10,000 listens. We understand that, you know, time is important, so we just want to thank you guys for listening to us. Yes, uh, ditto. And uh, listening to us and just being so forthcoming with uh, comments, concerns, questions, stuff like that, and just being vocal about your opinion on it. So I just want to thank you guys for that. Yeah, and speaking of being vocal, 
If you happen to hear a little pitter-patter in the kitchen, it's our sidekick today. His name's Oliver. Oliver, you got anything to say? Not much. He's a fat weenie dog, so go check him out on my Instagram page. He actually <laughs> went to work with me the other day. He loves to wear a bow tie, too. Don't you, Oliver? Apparently he likes chocolate. And he likes chocolate. Okay. So, here we go. We're going to start off with some bullet points and some thoughts and some suggestions. Um, one of the things that I want to start off with is this conversation is going to be driving towards the female aspect. However, we're going to discover, and what we have discovered, is that this works really basically for males and females. Mm-hmm. Right, Kev? Yep. So, the first thing, as I've always said, is if you're going to go to a dealership, you need to do your research. And for the female, you might need to do a little bit deeper. There's nothing wrong with that. At my dealership, I know for a fact, we want you to come in and feel comfortable. We want you to feel reassured. We want you to feel confident in your purchase. And we want you to be happy. That's our commitment to you. So look us up online. Look another dealership up line, online if you're going to go to another dealership. Uh, this podcast is not all about me and buying from me, and I want to put that on the table. So go to the contact page, uh, go to the about page, or whatever they have, where they have all their salesmen listed. Look at all the salesmen. Look at the history of the dealership. Uh, do a, a Google search for uh, ABC Automotive and all their positive reviews. Go read the reviews. Once you look at the contact page and you have found the salesman that maybe interests you, maybe he has a twinkle in his eye and he looks like your brother or something, and you want to pick him, I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing wrong with going to Facebook and looking him up. Uh, if, if you want to do that type of research to find out what kind of person you're going to be dealing with, there's nothing wrong with that. I have a Facebook page. I have nothing to hide. That's what Facebook's all about. So start there with the research and feel comfortable when you go to a dealership. Kev? Um, I guess also in that regard, you know, there, like, I said, like JP said, there's nothing wrong with doing your research about a person that you may have in mind that you will want to deal with or a specific place you'd want to deal with. Not every single a dealership slash website will have an about me like an about me page or about our staff like don't let that dissuade you it just means that you might have to do the do the face-to-face aspect a little bit sooner than you want to um what about calling yeah you can you can call in as well uh just say like may i speak to your one of your sales sales representatives general manager you know anybody that deals with customer service in the regard that which you want to deal with them. They will be more than happy to speak with you. And just like I said, just JP said, just make sure that you are confident and reassured in what you're doing. Don't let certain things get in your way whenever you're discussing things with them. Just be confident, be square, be open and honest about what you want to do. Now on that same point, Kev, let's role play with this just a little bit, okay? You've called in and you're the female, and you are asking questions about cars. Now, one thing that needs to be put on the table is 
if you think you need to ask the question, you need to ask it, even if you think it's a crazy question. There's nothing wrong with that. And the reason why I'm starting off by saying something like this is because when you go in and if you're purchasing any kind of a vehicle, sometimes the information that you see on the internet is not as quite as accurate as we would like it to be. It's very hard to develop these web pages with thousands and thousands of vehicles and try to get everything correct. So if you're asking for you want to purchase a six-cylinder, but you're actually looking at an eight-cylinder, and you're asking the salesman on the phone about an eight-cylinder engine, there's nothing wrong with the stupid question. Here's why I'm telling you this. If you don't feel comfortable the moment you talk to that salesperson on the phone, if he's already being disparaging to you and not talking to you as if you're a buyer, but if he's talking to you as if you're a female then you probably don't want to go to that dealership or maybe you don't want to deal with that salesperson because that's part of the whole part of the buying process that we want to put on the table and make sure that we have suggestions to help you feel more comfortable. This is what this podcast is all about. We want you to feel comfortable going in. That might be uh, asking a friend to come with you. Once you've picked out that car, that truck, that crossover SUV, you might want your dad to come with you. You might want your brother. Kev? Uh, I completely agree with JP. said. There's nothing wrong with having a partner with you so you don't feel overwhelmed. And like just personally, the first time I bought a car by myself, I was a little bit overwhelmed, just the whole process and all that stuff. So you know, as time goes on, I've bought, many, I've bought at least three more since. But... You know, it's just that initial that initial shock could actually set the tone for future experiences as well future experiences as well. So we want you to feel comfortable as soon as you walk in the door. Especially on the phone, right, Kev? Especially on the phone. If you're not comfortable on the phone, you probably are not gonna be comfortable at the dealership. Because once you're there in person, they you can get discombobulated or shook or however you want to phrase it pretty easy because you now you're dealing with them face to face. You're kind of dealing with the, the personal shock. Hey, like, hey, I spoke with him on the phone. He's a lot different in person. You know, he's not consistent. And I'm dealing with him on a personal level. Now I'm dealing with him on a professional level. You're getting contrasting personalities. It can, it, it can tie you up pretty bad if right. if you're not strong or, or, or at least used to being in that situation. Well, let's so, put a little footnote on. We you, you, know, I just, you and I discussed this earlier. Let's put a little footnote on bringing the brother, the the male counterpart, you know, the boyfriend, the husband, you know, or maybe not even the husband. Let's just say you're going in as a female, but you want to take a friend with you. I'm going to set just a small ground rule here because it makes things go a lot easier. If that friend's going to go with you, you need to have a conversation with that friend and make sure that that friend doesn't become a third-party negotiator. Because if you want to come in and buy something and feel confident about it, Let's let's have sort of a ground rule table, a table, how do I want to phrase that? You know, just kind of a house rule, you know, because I'm going to have to defend the salesman a little bit in this area, Kevin. You know, there's nothing worse than, you know, me trying to show numbers or the proposal to a female client and I've got a screaming brother telling me that that's not what I said versus what I should have said, or I'm confused, what does this mean? So when you bring that third-party person in, whether it's a brother, a dad, or a friend, a male counterpart, a 
a buddy you knew from the coffee shop or whatever, and you want to go into a dealership and buy as a female and be confident, have that conversation and tell him, let me do all this. And if you have a question, there's nothing wrong with asking the salesperson, hey, we want to have a private conversation for just a minute. I'm going to ask him something. Or tell the salesperson you're going to walk outside. Go smoke a cigarette. Go grab a a soda in the customer lounge or whatever. I agree with that as well. Uh, it would it can quickly turn into, you know, like JP said, a, a third party negotiation where you're no longer dealing with the person who's who's wanting to buy. You're dealing with the person who who is, who is buying and the person who thinks that you can do better. When ultimately the decision isn't up to them, it's up to the the person buying your client it's up to them and i like jp said there's nothing wrong with having that backup there but ultimately i feel that the their their opinion shouldn't necessarily directly influence a client's decision whether to buy this thing or that thing or go somewhere else i don't feel like it should be them to decide that I feel like it should be the client because if you're doing that then you're following your you're following your lifeline I guess so to speak and that's not really I what agree. they want yeah you're right you're absolutely right mm. okay you got something you wanted to cover there um I think generally just being just this kind of what I said I've had an experience in that regard just kind of following what other people have directed me to do and then ultimately not have been happy with my with my decision whether to leave or whether to stay or consider this or not consider that um like i say it's really all about the client in this regard and there's nothing wrong with having a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of backbone in that regard a little bit of support to to make a consideration but ultimately when it came down to game time and the decision needed to be made the the third party Unless the third party themselves are a buying party, they need to step out of the 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 final decision to make a purchase. Well, at this point, uh, we want to share a little bit of numbers with you, a little bit of statistics. Uh, this is drawn from Kelly Blue Book, one of the leading automotive. Uh, I guess you can call them automotive authorities in this regard, and it has to do with the male versus female buying philosophy. We're going to address specifically the female buying philosophy, but yay or nay, agree or disagree, this is what I came up with. This is just an off an article that they published a couple of years ago. The female buying philosophy is as follows. Women tend to view whatever they purchase as a way to get around. It's just like an A to B daily driver, get where you need to go, do what you need to do type of thing. The second point here is that they're more utility-minded, like a grocery getter, people, a people mover. You know, if you tend to travel a lot, is it comfortable? Is it spacious enough to do what you need to do with it? Is it good on a uh, good on fuel, fuel fuel economy? You know, does it do what you want it to do? Does it fulfill its purpose? The third point here is it practical? You don't need a Bentley when a Buick will do. You know, they won't they don't shop like that. They don't shop necessarily like that. Uh, another the 
fourth point on the list is that it's tangible benefit. Kind of ties into the the utility of the vehicle. Does it do what it's supposed to do? Does it do what it's supposed to do well? You know, are you constantly dueling with it or does it do exactly what you want when you want it to do? You don't have any problems with it whatsoever. It is a dream for you to own. You know, guys buy vehicles to work out of, Kev, and I think sometimes we tend to forget how important the females are. You know, they're they're taking care of the household, whether they're married or divorced, mm-hmm. or they're buying something that takes care of family aspects, you know, whether they're hauling kids, hauling groceries, getting ready for a family vacation. They're looking for tangible things that will make that a valuable vehicle to them and practical. And that's one of the great points that you brought up, and I just wanted to touch on that. Okay. And the the last thing that they brought up is that the female shopper tends to get what they want, and that's just not in the, the buying arena either. You know, all the guys and the gals that are that are coupled, married, whatever, you know, I think we all can agree that at the end of the day, the gal gets what she wants. Happy wife, happy life. life. Happy wife, happy life. Yep, I heard that. And uh, and here are just some of the numbers here. That according to Kelly Blue Book in the article that I read, that a female shopper is 38% confident in their buying process, whether it be from the initial, from the jump, to signing paperwork. That's a shock. That is. Yeah, and that's why we wanted to come up with this podcast. That's why we want to help the females understand and give you ladies, and I mean that with all respect, you know, give the ladies some respect. Let's help them come up with a game plan, give them some tools, some thought processes to build that number, 38%. We want that number closer to like, 100. 60 to 100. 60 yeah, to 100. We want, whatever. We, we want you to all to be 100% confident yeah. in what you're doing. And because of that low number, just to put it, a, a bow around it, a shade over one in three of you guys are will walk into any buying situation feeling like, hey, I got this. Like, there's nothing they can do to, to dissuade me. So because of that, it, on average, it takes 75 days from start to finish, from the point you decide, hey, I want a new car, from the day you walk away with it. Seventy. That, that, that seems pretty high. Is that high? Shade over, shade over two and a half months, yes. It does seem kind of high, while the typical male, on the other hand, takes 63 okay. days from start to finish, from the point they decide, hey, I want a new car, from the day they walk away with it. Right. And... Jumping back onto the male bandwagon here, they are 58% confident in their ability to make a purchase. So from females being one in three, you know, from guys being three out of every five. So we need to build that number, ladies. We, we do need to so, build that number. Uh, what's some of the last things you're going to talk about here? Okay. There and, it is. And, as, and as a result of that, the, the buying experience is driven to find the best fit for what they need. Like whether it be... A Mitsubishi, whether it be a Buick, whether it be a Cadillac, whether it be a Ford, whether it be this, whether it be that. Whatever brand best fits the scenario that they need, while the male will hmm. shop a particular brand. So they'll, if they're a Ford guy, they'll stick with Ford. If they're a Chevy guy, they'll stick with Chevy. Now, I will tell you this, Kevin. This is kind of some experience that I've had in the last couple of years, buying and selling vehicles. Uh, 
when we we live in somewhat of a conservative northern part of Texas, you can certainly tell when a female has been uh, taught or at least watched her dad buy a vehicle. We I I do every once in a while get females that come in and they go, you know, my dad owned a GMC, so I'm going to buy a GMC. I'm going to get a GMC truck just like my dad. And that happens in this area, and I know that doesn't happen across the entire nation, and, and I'm not trying to make us be better than anybody else or say, hey, we do this here. I'm just giving you a point to understand that. That's really important. Brand awareness is not particular important to females the best fit because females some of them not all some have utilitarian ideas for their vehicles you know they're they're shopping for the family they're getting ready for the family vacation or they're loading up three baby seats yeah it's very important that you know like i said they're driven to do the best fit so you're going to consider a lot of the tangibles like cargo room stuff like cargo room fuel efficiency uh overall size because there are some pretty small cars that feel big on the inside and vice versa Um, so whenever you make that consideration it does tend to lean on so whatever we can do yeah so whatever we can do to empower female buyers we're going to do it we're going to do it so and like i said just to finish the thought you are leaning on to what fits best for the family not necessarily who fits that bill and it may tie into that at, at the end but all, all the tangible stuff that you need in the package that fits you the best let's go okay so we've covered quite a bit Kevin uh, I think that's a lot of information in just a few minutes and that's the whole goal of this podcast is we want it short and sweet and to the point and with that being said uh, I'm going to challenge uh, all my male counterparts that are sales professionals in the automotive world. Uh, I want you guys to remember one thing. and When you have a female uh, in your realm and you're going to start the buying process with a female, whether you're on the showroom floor or you're on the dealership car lot or wherever you're at and you're start starting this negotiating process, this showing process, you know, you start showing the cars and you start talking to this young lady or an elderly lady about the car that she may want to purchase, the vehicle, the SUV, whatever it may be, is just remember your mom. And that's where we're in this kitchen today. Because this is what it's all about. It's making your mom happy. Is that how you would treat your mom? Is that how you would talk to your mom? Is that how you would present things to your mother? What it takes to buy a female in the automotive world today is challenging. It's super challenging. I'm not going to say it isn't. I'm going to say it is. I've had several conversations with females probably in the last six months, over a dozen. Uh, And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm shocked. I am really shocked with... The Me Too movement, with everything that's come out, uh, I just cannot believe that this is still happening today. So I want to reach out to my audience. I want my audience to reach out to me if they need help, if they need suggestions. uh, Message me, call me, email me, text message me, whatever you want to do. 
just get in contact with me and we can talk more about what it takes to buy as a female in the automotive world today. Kevin, any closing thoughts? Uh, not to mention that a lot of the time when a woman shopper, either individually or as a, as a family unit, they do make their decision around the kitchen table when they're considering their finances, considering their wants and needs. So it, it, it's kind of like this divine providence thing that we're sitting around a kitchen table having this discussion uh, and, and telling you guys all this. And it's just weird how it all came together. So I want to thank JP for kind of giving... Well, you know, the kitchen tables where a lot of decisions are being made. Yeah, a lot of decisions are made around a kitchen yeah. table anyway. Not just not just with regards to their automotive needs. Just like, a lot of that is made here. What they want to eat, where they want to go, what they want to do. It's all done right here. So what better place to make that decision than the kitchen table? Here's a little surprise for Kevin. I know he always loves my, uh, my little... Uh, FYIs and my little tidbit. So here's a little tidbit for Kev. Uh, in 1965, I distinctly remember a sales representative coming over to my house when I was a young kid growing up to sell my mom and dad the Encyclopedia Britannica. Wow. So that was my first impression, and I mean you know, indication or inkling of an idea that I wanted to get into the sales business selling something because I watched this sales professional lay out 65 books all over the kitchen table and present them to my mom and dad and tell me how great it was going to be that I had all this knowledge in front of me and I could access it anytime for all my book reports. So uh, kitchen tables, a lot of decisions being made. Families are growing. Decisions are are part of that process. You know, talking about a baby coming into the family or uh, the new wedding coming up and what we're going to do or what we're going to eat tomorrow night or even meal prep like I'm going to start here in a little bit. Uh, Kitchen table is where it's at. So I just wanted to tell everybody thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a super, super week. Uh, Again, contact us if you have any questions. And don't forget our little tidbit coming up in just a few minutes. Ask a car guy anything. This is Cruise Control with Kevin and JP. Good afternoon, everyone. This is JP Gwynn with Cruise Control, and we have our guest speaker here today, the lovely Miss Emily Tackett. Hi, Emily. Hi, JP. Okay, so what we're doing right now is uh, every podcast we bring a guest in and they have the opportunity, Emily, you're the opportunity, to uh, ask a car guy anything because that's the name of the podcast and I always want people to come into the podcast, drop in and just ask me anything you want to ask. It can be about the car business or it doesn't have to be about about the car business. It could be uh, what's been the latest greatest uh, restaurant I've been visiting or perhaps something new in Amarillo that I know about that nobody else does so here we go Emily ask a car guy anything okay JP oh, no. I've been thinking the last few minutes about what I wanted to ask you and it's come down to I love to read books so I would like to know what is one book that you've read that you would that has had a significant impact on your self that you would recommend to anybody? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, let's see. 
one of the the latest book that I read that had a huge impact on me uh, has a lot to do with what I do for a living, which is the car industry. And so it is an author by the name of Mark Tuart, and uh, it's called, let me look the book up because I want to make sure I give him all the credit. Uh, yeah, there we go. Good question. Got to stump them early. <laughs> I didn't know this was going to be a stumpy one. Well, I want to make sure I give him proper credit because he has a lot of books that are out. Um, let's see, we're all, boy, he got a lot of books. What category would you put him in? Well, Mark Tuart is a professional speaker. He's a sales expert. He's an entrepreneur. And he, my personal opinion is he's one of the car industry guys that you can listen to, know and understand, and it's not going to be in your face, grilled, and how can I put it in an elegant way? Um, He's relatable and he's not like a slimy Las Vegas car guy. Because there's some car guys out there that are pretty slimy and it's like they're trying to do a fast pitch for you. How to Be a Sales Superstar is the book that he wrote. Uh, it's worth reading once or twice a year. I, I'm going to actually dive back into it. Uh, I wrote, read it last year when I got it. It's autographed by him. That's uh, so fun. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, I actually know him, and so there's a little bit of a relationship there. It's not a huge relationship, but I know him. I can lean on him any time I want some advice. He's um, a father. His son is just starting his first year in college, so it's relatable. Um, and it's something that you can lean on and know that you're going to get really good advice from this guy. He's going to take you down the path of knowledge that he has but it's it's relatable does that make sense yes it's not just um here's how you sell a car you know mm -hmm. make sure you better bring them in set them down and rough them up pretty good <laughs> sounds like a comforting book yes like, yes like some people are actually like that they will yeah. drag you in by the arm not literally but they will drag yeah. you in there sit you down and pummel you until you either stand up for yourself or or, or basically do what they want you to do. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. This is my Mark Tuart and it's spelled T-E-W-A-R-T. Perfect. All right.